You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. And, and, and that simple gospel, to, to, you know, to set aside all the other stuff, and, and to, 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 that's what we try to do. And, and that's what we're doing. If you've been with us, that's, in a way, that's what we've been doing this year. Uh, back in January, we, we started uh, something a little bit different this year in the messages. And for those of you who are just with us here today for homecoming, um, normally we kind of preach through books of the Bible or preach through different series, topics of uh, things going on in our life. This year, we decided to preach through the entire Bible. And so in January, we started with Genesis 1-1. And uh, we're going to just, gosh, in just a little over a month, we're going to be in the book of Revelation wrapping up. So we've uh, walked through the whole Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And over, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Acts. And Acts tells the story of the church as it was just beginning, and the history of the beginning of the church and how this good news about Jesus spread from the Jewish community and it started to spread out throughout uh, into the other nations, the Gentiles, out into the Roman Empire, and how different churches got planted. When you read through the book of Acts, you see these different churches getting planted out uh, throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, starting today and over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at letters that were written to a few of those churches. And we're gonna start with a letter written to the church in Ephesus. And so, you know, uh, those of you who come all the time, you know I love it if you follow along with me as I'm teaching. So find a Bible, if you didn't bring one, there's some on the racks in front of you. Find a Bible, we're gonna be in the book of Ephesians, which is about halfway through the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, and we're pretty much gonna be in chapter one the entire time. So Ephesians chapter one, go ahead and find that. And, and here's what we're gonna discover in this first chapter of Ephesians. Who you were doesn't limit who you can be. And who you can be is less dependent by what you do than it is by whose you are. And Jesus offers grace and peace. And if you put all that that together into one thought, what we're going to see in these chapters is that Jesus will replace our past with his future. So as as we begin this first chapter, I want you you to listen for that, and I want you to follow, again, follow along with me. I want to read just the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, and as I do, I invite you to listen. This is the word of God. Begins this way, Ephesians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us and the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Pray with me. Lord, as we, we unpack these words and, and begin to try to understand what they mean in our lives today, Lord, would you open our hearts to truths that you would teach us, truths that might help us better follow you in the everyday, ordinary places of our lives. And we pray all of that, Lord Jesus. We pray it in your name, and we pray it for your glory alone. Amen. All right, there's a lot in here to unpack, and uh, so I'm just going to kind of jump right in. Here's the first truth that we find in this. Who you were doesn't limit who you can be. Who you were doesn't limit who you can be. How many of you have ever made a mistake? Anybody? How many of you yeah, are raising two hands right now? How many of you are sitting next to someone who has ever made a mistake? I mean, you know, it's just, you know, just to make sure we got everybody, you know, kind of co covered in here. Um, yeah, a pretty honest group today. That's good. Um, we all do. I mean, every, every single one of us makes mistakes. I mean, there are things that we, we should have done, we didn't do, things we didn't, we did that we shouldn't have done. I mean, we, we all make mistakes. Let's say more, more about that in a moment. Uh, for any of us who have ever made a mistake, and that was everybody, right? Uh, this first verse is, is good news for us. It starts this way. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. You don't have to go any further than the first word, Paul. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, um, we, we learned how Paul had been born Saul and then he meets Jesus and his life gets turned around and uh, we had a whole message on that. You can go listen to it on Spotify. But uh, if you weren't here, let me kind of just give you a kind of a quick, quick overview. Paul, and, and I, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, so we talk about Paul a lot. And, uh, and one of the things I often say when, when I talk about Paul is that if you ever find yourself not liking Christians, you should love Paul because Paul couldn't stand them until he became one. And uh, he, he becomes one of the early leaders in the church, one of the key kind of guys who's spreading this Jesus movement all across the Roman Empire. Paul would take, he's a missionary, he would take these missionary journeys and he'd come into a community and he'd first go to the synagogue and he'd teach in the synagogue and what often happened is they would kick him out of the synagogue because the stuff he was saying about Jesus just didn't make any sense to them and it kind of went against their ways and their traditions and so they would kick him out and then Paul would go to the Gentiles people who weren't part of the Jewish community, and he'd proclaim this good news to them. And so churches start popping up in all of these places where Paul went. And this Jesus movement, and, and in the beginning, it was just a movement. People, they called themselves people of the way. They were learning to live and love the way that Jesus did. And, and this, this way just started to grow, and these churches start to grow, and Paul's instrumental in all of that. But when he was growing up, that was the last thing in the world he would have ever have imagined doing. Uh, Paul was born in the, uh, was born Saul. His parents named him Saul when he was born. And, um, and Saul grew up in the town of Tarsus, which was a Roman city. 
And so it meant that Saul enjoyed this kind of unique status of being both Jewish but also a Roman citizen, and that gave him privileges that not everyone had. And, uh, and as he grew up, he grew up in a good home, as best we can tell, because he was well-educated, and he was just on the fast track to success. And his career, he decides he's going to be, you know, in the, the religion business. And his career is just taking off. And he's advancing. And he's studying under the best teachers. And he's gaining more and more authority. And then this Jesus movement starts. And Saul decides that it's going to be his life mission to just stop this Jesus movement before it can get going very far. And he's going to do everything in his power to put an end to it. And he doesn't care if he has to drag you out of your home or arrest you or throw you in prison or have you executed. And he watched people get executed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. When I say he didn't like Christians, he didn't like followers of Jesus, he really didn't like followers of Jesus. He was trying to do everything he could to keep this Jesus movement from catching on. And until one day, and this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, one day he's making his way to the town of Damascus where he's going to just continue that business of trying to throw some Jesus followers in jail. And Jesus meets him and he blinds him so that he can open his eyes. And he can see who Jesus really is. And, and his life just gets turned upside down. And he ends up being this key leader in the early church, traveling around as a missionary, planting all these churches in the Roman Empire, writing most of the New Testament, having this huge influence on everything that we believe about Jesus today. Who Saul was didn't limit who God had planned for Paul to be. Your past doesn't have to limit your future. Paul's just a great example of that. Now, my hope is that none of you have made it your life mission to wipe out Christianity. If you have, you're in a good place. There are a lot of followers of Jesus here. Get started, you know. Um, but all of us have made mistakes in the past. Uh, again, all, all of us, we, we've, we've had times where, you know, we said something we wish we hadn't have said or we didn't speak up when we know we should have. There, there was something that we did, gosh, I shouldn't have done that, or I should have done it, and you, you, you've all done it. And sometimes it's in really big ways, you know, big public ways, and everybody gets to see it. A lot of times it happens in really, really small ways. But we all, we, we make mistakes, we all fall short of, you know, we've all got past, we all can, all of us, every one of us in the room, we can look back at things we wish we had done differently in the past. And some people carry that around with them. Some people have trouble letting go of those, those past mistakes. Some, some people imagine, I talk to them every week, people who, who live with this. They, they carry around, a, they're, they're ashamed of what they've done or what they didn't do. And, and that shame just wears on them. They, they carry it around like this heavy, heavy weight. And they convince themselves there is no way God could ever possibly use me in the future because of what I did in the past. And, and if that's you, you just need to hear today. I mean, you don't have to get one word into this letter. He just says, Paul, you know, I used to be Saul, and, and I had this whole history, I had this whole change. Your past doesn't limit the future that God has prepared for you. 
You're, you're, wherever you may be today, your, your past has no, does never limits what God has in store for you. And, and, and here's why. You can let go of the shame. And, and here's why. In verse 7, Paul says, in him, in Jesus, they're talking about Jesus, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The, the good news is that God's grace is bigger than your greatest sin. I don't, I don't care what mistake you've made in your past. I don't care what you've done or didn't do or said or didn't say. I, I, don't, I don't care how often you repeated it or how long you've been carrying around. Your past does not define your future. Because of what Jesus Christ did, the word redemption means paid the price. What Jesus did on a cross means that your past does not limit who you can be in the future. And, and somebody here needs to know that today. Because you're carrying around this shame that my past mistakes are going to hold me back forever. They won't. They, they don't have to. Because, and, and this is the second truth, who you can be in the future is not dependent on what you do. It's dependent on whose you are. What you will be is not dependent on what you do. It depends upon whose you are. So verse 1 says, to God's holy people, um, we're just flying through this uh, first chapter. Verse 1, again, says, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. The phrase holy people, of some of your translations might say the saints in Ephesus. The Greek word, Paul wrote these letters in Greek. The Greek word is hagias, and it's, we translate it often as saints or as holy people. The, the word literally means just simply to be set apart by God. But we tend to read it as saints and holy people, because that's the way we translate it into English. And so we tend to seem to think of people, and you know people, you would, you know, and you would say, oh my gosh, you know, she puts up with him for so long, what a saint. Um, uh, we, we use those kind of words to describe people, to, to describe, you know what, just how good they are. Oh gosh, he, he's just a saint, you know, he's so helpful, she's just a saint for, for all that she does. Um, we, we, we kind of apply that word, holy people, saint, based on our performance on the things that we do, but that's not what the word means. It, it means to be set apart by God, not because of what you've done, but simply because of who you are. You, you, you don't work really hard and live really good and do great nice things and, and show great patience in order to become a saint, to be chosen by God. You are chosen by God, and that's what makes you a saint. Does that make sense? God initiates it. God starts it. You, you, it it's not based at all on what you've done. It's just simply because you are the daughters and the sons of God. That's what makes you set apart. That's what makes you hagiah, saints, these holy, holy people. Paul said it this way down in verse 4. He said, for God chose us in him, in Christ again, in Jesus, for God chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And, and theologians for as far back as Augustine of Hippo to Calvin of Geneva, I mean, they'll just, they have spilt a lot of ink writing just pages and pages about what it means to be chosen by God before the creation of the world. And Paul's not trying to write some sort of doctoral debate here. Paul's just trying to offer a word of assurance, word of affirmation. 
that your status as the sons and daughters of God, as saints in his kingdom, is not based on what you do. It's based on whose you are. It's not performance-based. And, and this is where it's hard for us because we live in such a performance-based world. And, and you're only as good as your grades on your last report card. And you're only as good as the score of the game. And you're only as good. Clemson had a great game yesterday, but I wasn't going to mention that. Because um, I didn't mention the NC State game the week before, so it would be wrong for me to mention it when we, yeah, anyway. Um, we, we live in such a performance-based world, and, and you're only as good as, as, your, as how well you perform. And God says, no, that's not the way it works in my kingdom. You're my sons and my daughters. You are saints. Holy people set apart before, the crea- before you did anything. Before you did anything. Before the world was even formed. I chose you to be set apart. To be a saint. Y'all notice that when, when you know that, you know, when, 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 and you have this, you have friendships or marriages or relationships where you know you are accepted and you are loved, not because of how well you perform, but just because, of, because you're loved. I mean, it changes everything. And, and what you actually find is you begin to live like saints when you recognize that you have been loved just simply because of whose you are. And, and that takes us really to the third truth. What you begin to discover is that because of whose you are, you can experience grace and peace. Jesus offers us grace and peace. Paul says in verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he says grace and peace to you, it's not just a greeting. It's not just a salutation. Paul is trying to say, here's the difference that happens because you are in Christ. when, When you find yourself chosen by God, holy people set apart, grace and peace are going to be a part of your life grace means grace means struggling less to try to win earn everything grace means struggling less and and trusting more and more in God's power to provide and in God's power to make a way and peace peace is, is, is less worry and less anxiety And and less anger and division and contention and confusion and and more completeness and wholeness in your life. And, And my guess is somebody here today needs more grace in their life and somebody here today needs more peace in their life. The problem is we 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 turn to all these other things hoping they'll provide us with grace and peace. If I can just make enough money, then I won't worry about anything. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, have, I'll have peace. I know a lot of people who have made a whole lot of money, and they are worried about a whole lot of things. I, I'll just, if I can just be real successful, I can get that promotion. Well, well then, then life will feel complete, and life will feel whole, and, and then they get the promotion. It's just another rung up a ladder that just keeps going and they just can't make it. Or they'll turn to a relationship, thinking the grace and the peace that I'm longing for, uh, that, that relationship, that, that'll satisfy it for me. But it never does, because people always fail us. 
But God never does. This is the catch. The grace and the peace that our hearts long for can only be found in Jesus Christ. And again, we, we tell ourselves, I'll just be successful enough. I'll just have, I'll have a great relationship, a great marriage, great friendships. I mean, all that will provide it for me, but it won't. The grace and peace that our hearts long for can only be found in Jesus Christ. Paul says this in verse 4 again. He says, for he chose us in him. He chose us in him, in Christ before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. And, and this idea of being in Christ, you get your Bible open in front of you, just kind of look at it. I mean, it just gets repeated over and over again. Paul says, you are blessed in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. You have the forgiveness of sins in Christ. You are chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You were included in Christ. You have been made aware of the plans of God. Anybody want to guess where? In Christ, y'all got it. In Christ, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Christ, you have been loved. In Christ is where your hope comes from. Forgiveness, blessing, redemption, love, hope. All of that is found in Jesus, nowhere else. Our careers, our relationships, our successes, our accomplishments, as good as those things may be, they're just poor substitutes for the grace and the peace our hearts are longing for that can only be found in Christ. And so though you were chosen to be holy and blameless before the creation of the world, you do have a decision that you have to make of whether or not you are going to be found living in Christ. Now, let me explain what that means. And, um, and this is the gospel we've been, this is what we've been teaching here for 145 years. Because this is just the heart of the heart of the heart of it. At the heart of the matter, I love, I love this phrase, I heard it years ago, at the heart of the matter, it's always a matter of the heart. And, and, and what our hearts tend, tend to do is um, we, we, we hear about Jesus and we believe a lot of stuff about Jesus and we believe that Jesus is who he said. We believe that Jesus is who he said he is, right? Amen? Amen. He's the son of God, amen? amen? He died on the cross to forgive our sins, amen? amen? And he really does offer us a better way to live, his way, amen? amen. But then we got to try to follow it. And we got to try to live that way. And it's not easy. I mean, Jesus offers a better way, y'all have heard me say this all the time, uh, to live and to love and to give and forgive and to manage everything from our money to our emotions. And it's a better way, but it's a harder way. And so often we struggle with it and, and we resist it. We were created, we were chosen by God before the beginning of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. But then this is the gospel we've been doing for 145 years. But then sin entered the picture, sin entered the world, and sin entered into our lives. And in our own selfishness, we decided, well, I know better how to handle my money and my emotions. And, and I know better how to give and forgive. I'm going to hold on to that grudge for a little bit. We decided we know better because sin has entered the world and, and it just becomes harder to follow Jesus' way. And so though we were chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight, we're not. And God had to do something about it. 
And so because God so loved you, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay what Paul said to the Ephesians, the redemption of our sins, for our forgiveness, so that our, our past no longer is going to limit our future, so that who we can be isn't determined, isn't held back by our past, so who that we can be in Christ is a new creation. And, and what we have to do is we have to decide whether or not we're going to live on, on our own or whether we're going to live over here in Christ to, to, to make that decision. Paul says, here's how life begins, verse 13. He says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, good news of the gospel, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. God so loves you that he chose you for the creation of the world to be holy, to be set apart, to be holy and blameless in his sight. And if you would just trust him enough to say, I'm not just going to believe it, Lord, I'm going to try to follow it. I'm going to try to let it get lived out at, at home and in my neighborhood and at school and at work and in my marriage and the way I parent and the way I relate to my parents. And, uh, and, and I'm going to try to put it into practice in, in, uh, in the everyday moments of my life. Then you start to discover what it means to live in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit making it possible for you to do that. And when you do, what Jesus does is Jesus trades our past for his future. And we begin to discover what really is a better way to live. So let me wrap this up because they're cooking barbecue and some I know you don't want to go eat it. Some of you here today, I mean, you're, you're carrying around shame over mistakes you've made in the past, ways you've hurt yourself, and you've probably hurt other people along the way, too, and you're shamed of it, and you're carrying that around. It's been hard for you to let go. I, I, I want you to know, you don't let it go. You, you can't. It, it's, been pay, it's been taken care of. God, 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 God's forgiven you. You can let it go. Your past does not have to define your future. And I know there's somebody here today, and you're exhausted right now because you have been working so hard to try to earn everybody's approval. You, you want people to look at you and look, oh, look how successful he is. Look how successful she is. Look how get, they've got it all together. And you're working so hard to make sure they see that. And you're, I mean, you're exhausted from it. And what you need to know today that before the creation of the world, because God so loved you, he chose you to be his daughter, to be his son. And you don't have to work so hard anymore. And, and, and somebody here today is just living with fear and worry and anxiety. And, and it's keeping you awake at night. And, and you would do anything to trade that for some grace and peace. And I want you to know you can. You really can. And, and all it takes is, is to open your heart and to say, Jesus, I just don't want to believe things about you. I actually want to follow you. I, I want to learn to live and love the way that you did. I know it's not going to be easy. I'm going to need a lot of help along the way. But, but I believe it's possible because of what you've done for me. 
later in this, this first chapter, Paul, Paul makes this prayer for the, for the, the saints, the, the holy ones in, in Ephesus. He says in verse 16, he says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he prays. He prays for those who have already made decisions to follow Jesus, and, and he that, prays that their faith might grow stronger. But I believe his prayer is also for those who have yet to make that decision to follow. And, and wherever you may find yourself today, I want to pray Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. I want to pray that prayer for you. And invite you just to open your heart and, and to let these words, these, these, these are ancient words, these are way more than 145 years old. But, but these are, the, these are the, the prayers we've been offering for 145 years here. To let these settle into your heart. So would, would you pray with me as we join together? Let these words soak into your heart. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his uncomparably great power for us who believe. Oh, Lord, we believe. Would you help our unbelief? For we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HBC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvilleprez.org.